Hello and welcome to the Currency Exchange, NatWest Markets FX podcast, where we help to break down the major themes and events driving currency markets this week and in the weeks ahead. Today, I'm joined by none other than our European head of G10 FX strategy, Paul Robson. It's been a very interesting week in the UK this week. We had one data point in particular, June CPI which almost promised to be a watershed moment uh, for the UK. And we really saw, you know, UK financial assets really react um, in response to it. Paul, why was, you know, this June CPI, why did it promise, I guess, such hope for the UK? Well, I think, as you say, it was clearly an important uh, piece of data. The reason it was important is that recent inflation prints have been consistently higher than expected. And it's not that... Inflation was quite low to begin with, and it was just a little bit higher. Inflation in the UK was very high uh, already, and it seemed to be tracking higher. Um, and the UK looked to be increasingly um, an outlier, certainly in the, the major economies where inflation had started to, to come lower, certainly core inflation. Um, why it was um, attracting so much attention is that markets were pricing in an ever higher terminal rate, peak rate, in the Bank of England policy cycle, there was increasing worries about mortgage refinancing risks in the second half of the year uh, and what impact that would have on the overall economy, certainly um, households that have traditionally got used to low um, interest rates and are having to refinance it considerably um, higher. Um, the fact that it came in weaker than expected just um, soothed some of those uh, worries. Now, uh, one swallow doesn't make a summer, but if you put it in the wider context of inflation coming down, I think that might be a, a thing we might pick up later uh, in today's uh, podcast. Um, I think it's um, you know, markets have gone moved to price out some of that that Bank of England uh, tightening. Um, what made the release so sort of dovish or soothing for markets? Well, it's the core inflation number and the service sector inflation number. The core. You strip out all the things that the Bank of England can't really influence, like fuel, tobacco, alcohol, those kind of things, and concentrate on uh, the impact of monetary tightening. Uh, the service sector inflation number, sort of indicator of domestically driven inflation, again, something that the Bank of England feel that they can influence. And both those were lower than expected, and they slipped back for the first time since the beginning uh, of the year. Um, and they were also for the June. Remember, June was that nice sort of warm month. It was the best month of summer. The rest of the month, summer has been a little bit poor in terms of uh, the weather. But that could have been an opportunity for retailers and the service sector to increase prices as we all went out and enjoyed the warm weather. Well, that didn't um, happen. So this is an important release in terms of Bank of England expectations. And from here, it's about... To what extent we can expect a 25 basis point hike um, at the August meeting or whether the Bank of England will continue with their half percent increases. Remember, they did that and they stepped up in the previous month. And on balance, we don't think there's been a there's not enough in this inflation uh, numbers It's a little bit weaker. Uh, but when you think about uh, slightly higher than expected inflation was enough for the MPC to move from 25 to 50 uh, basis point clips. The fact that it's just come down a couple of attempts, um, if they do shift to down a little bit to 25, it's a bit of a credibility. It's sort of um, people will be uncertain about 
the inflation forecast and their reaction function and financial markets don't like uh, sort of uncertainty. So we, we stay with the uh, 50 basis point hike rates up to, to 6%. Um, 6%. And I guess it comes off the back of obviously the weaker than expected US CPI print last week. It's kind of plays that narrative that, you know, hopefully we are coming to the end of inflation. It is easing lower. Do you think markets could be potentially getting a bit too carried away, especially when you look at kind of pricing for the Bank of England? Um, in terms of global markets, uh, I think it, it does have a feel of uh, the beginning of the end. So I, again, I talk about the UK as being you know, one swallow doesn't make a summer, but I said exactly the same for the, the US and there's been a couple of them. So if these swallows get together and form a flock, apparently it's a kettle or a flight or a gulp of uh, swallows. Um, I had to Google that before coming on to today's uh, call. I should really know that being an avid watcher of Autumn Watch and Spring Watch on the, the BBC, which is um, highly recommended. Um, but you get the sense that you've got more confidence in the global policy finding cycle it is over. And for FX markets, uh, that's potentially going to be uh, important as we move through the coming quarter. It will be increasingly be about which central banks have scope to, to cut interest rates the most and, and how quickly and as my colleague Alvaro was just saying to me the other day, it's about where real rates, um, when you adjust for inflation, where are they looking just too high? And ultimately, banks will have to get them uh, lower. And as we know, uh, yields are very important uh, for FX rates. And we think that that's going to be a developing theme uh, and may not be a, a particularly um, well understood theme for the second half of the year. Mm, and we certainly saw, you know, starting really react to that data yesterday, really dropping lower b b below 130 against the dollar. You know, what do you think are the biggest things to watch for now and the biggest driver of sterling? Well, it doesn't going back to that sort of interest rate um, outlook. We do think that sterling underperforms other uh, European currencies. We think it remains relatively stable uh, against the, the dollar, but that's more of a dollar view than specifically. Uh, for sterling. And we think that CPI uh, number just reinforces that underperformance theme of um, sterling. Um, sterling has tracked interest rate expectations. I mentioned it in terms of all the currencies and, and sterling has been the, the same. Uh, we did wonder whether we were going to get a, a slight shift from yield to worries about growth. Uh, I was talking about like a Titanic battle between yields and growth. Titanic with a small T, not a, uh, a capital uh, T. Uh, but markets have latched on more is straightforward nominal yields. They've gone up, certainly went up. They've come down after that that CPI number. Uh, and we think that's probably the way forward, just to try and keep it as uh, simple as possible. But if we get a situation where inflation is coming lower, the interest rate hikes that the Bank of England have already um, have put in place haven't really impacted the economy yet. We think that increasing that will, growth will be weak. You've got a, a bad combination of lower yield, weak growth, and ultimately we think that that weighs on the, the currency. Uh, one bigger picture story, which I think that markets might be uh, not concentrating on enough, is positive um, balance of payments dynamics. This is something that I've, uh, I think I bored lots of people with um, for the last six months since we published our year ahead in uh, November. But the, the trends are quite positive there. And I don't see many people, hear many people talk about it. 
And this is an unwinding of the energy crisis, unwinding of COVID, um, a, a shift from goods to services in the economy, and deflation of the domestic economy relative to the rest of the world. And that improves the balance of payments uh, position. And why is this very important? Well, Sterling has tracked market expectations for the balance of payments for this year. It's the inverse of what you would normally expect. Normally, you would expect the currency to go up and the balance of payments to, to, to deteriorate. But at the moment, we've got improving balance of payments and we've got a strengthening uh, currency because people were worried uh, about the balance of payment situation. And it does mean that Sterling might find it a little bit easier to negotiate some of those headwinds, which are weaker growth and the impact of uh, slightly lower yield. So I think that that's a bigger picture thing, but short term, it's very much about nominal yields. Um, and it, I think you just have to keep it simple. Mm. I think, you know, at the moment, markets are definitely fixated on interest rate differentials. But I know you've made kind of the great call before that risks just to sterling are asymmetric when you think about stagflation um, and the risks on either side. It is kind of, we've got a bit of a gap until the August Bank of England. Is there any kind of other drivers you're particularly focused on or any kind of events before we get to the big um, central bank day? No, just watching the, the data, I, I think Sterling is going to be sensitive to indicators of whether demand in the UK is, is holding up. We've, we've talked about this uh, lagged um, transmission mechanism of the rate increases that we've seen from the Bank of England uh, and the refinancing of mortgages and to what extent that starts to weigh on the economy. Uh, and on some measures, the, the impact is going to be quite severe. But you've got offsetting factors like savings. You might even have intergenerational transfers, parents to their children, grandparents to the, the grandchildren that are just helping people find a way to get through this um, sort of cost of living uh, shock and refinancing. Uh, but if those demanding indicators start to uh, deteriorate again, if consumer confidence starts to weaken, then I think that gives you a little bit more confidence that sterling is going to head lower against those European currencies that we've spoken about. Uh, my personal favourites are, you know, um, seeing sterling weaken against Norway, for example, of Sweden, because valuations are extremely high. And this uh, sequencing story, which I personally find very, very compelling. Um, but those demand indicators, so watching the data very carefully, any signs that the consumer is finally cracking, uh, I think will um, lead to further weakness in the currency. And I know we're talking about, you know, for most of the G10, central banks are now approaching the very end of their tightening cycle, where we have kind of the complete contrast when we talk about Japan um, and all these expectations that they could actually finally begin to actually tighten very loose monetary policy. You know, um, what are your expectations going into this kind of critical central bank meeting next week? Well, as you say, I think the, the important bit of what you just said is growing expectations that the Bank of Japan might tweak its yield curve control framework and, and some of the parameters on that. And that has happened at a time when the Japanese yen has actually been uh, outperforming. So dollar yen lower, squeezing some of the speculative positions in the, the market. So this, this meeting is um, important. Now, we don't think anything changes uh, we think that there's just they don't the, the bank of japan just simply won't have enough confidence that uh, inflation is going to stay high beyond the, this year now this year they probably have seen that obviously they've seen the data it's been stronger than expected 
Um, wage growth has been strong. It's feeding into higher service sector inflation, inflation generally. Um, and at that meeting, they will probably revise up their uh, inflation forecast. But it's the what they expect 2024. That's ultimately going to be what um, decides market impact of this. And our Tokyo economists don't think they're going to be confident enough. And you had the governor at UADA just uh, this week just saying they don't have enough confidence. Now, of course, they could surprise, but really they don't have enough surprise, um, confidence in inflation being higher. And um, he had said a simpler, a, sim a similar thing at the ECB Sintra conference just a couple of weeks ago. So it would represent quite a marked change without a lot of uh, uh, data. So uh, con renewed yen weakness, uh, I think, might be the um, outcome of uh, next week's Bank of Japan meeting. But it's definitely one to watch. I think you always see kind of market expectations really building into this that, you know, Japan has to be the next one to jump on the timing trail. But I guess you have to remember that Japan has just always suffered historically with, you know, deflation. And for them, actually, a little bit of inflation is just, um, you know, a gift, essentially. Guys, that is about all we have time for today. Paul, thank you so much for joining me. And um, if you did like the podcast, please do click like and remember to subscribe to subscribe so you get the latest episode first. Thanks again.